Thanks for joining us on the American Masters podcast. I recently sat down with actor, playwright, and director Ruben Santiago Hudson. Santiago Hudson is the director of August Wilson's Jitney, the only one of Wilson's plays that until this week had never been seen on Broadway. As you'll soon hear, Santiago Hudson's especially grateful to playwright August Wilson, in part because he's ever thankful for the Tony Award he won in 1996 in Wilson's play Seven Guitars. Seven Guitars is one of 10 plays in Wilson's century cycle, each play set in a different decade, chronicling the African-American experience across the 20th century. For more on August Wilson, tune in to your local PBS station for American Masters' August Wilson, The Ground on Which I Stand, which airs tonight, January 20th, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. If you've missed it, it'll be streaming at pbs.org slash americanmasters. August Wilson was a lot of things, you know. It took, for me to say who he was in a sentence or two, even a paragraph, would, would not do him justice. You know, he was just like you and I. He was a guy who made his way uh, to the point where he discovered that what he wanted most was just to be who he was. And that, that means a poet, a person whose words had influence, impact, and power, and that could possibly make a difference in the world through his artistry, through his passion and compassion for humanity, particularly African-American culture. I first met August in 1984 through his play, My Rainey's Black Bottom. I had yet to see the man and shake his hand and tell him how much I appreciated him. But at that time, I met him. I knew, intimately knew this man and his characters through My Rainey's Black Bottom. And as I sat on those stairs at the court theater, because I sat on the stairs, I snuck in, and uh, I watched this play, and I felt this moisture on my cheeks and little did I realize that I was crying because I was safe, I was home. I knew that there was a place for me in American theater on Broadway through this writer, August Wilson. So I set out to meet, to find a way to follow him and this director, Lloyd Richards, wherever they were going, I wanted to be in that circus. You know, so I jumped right on in that circus and became like, hopefully, one of the ringmasters. And uh, it's been beautiful, uh, this marriage that August and I have had. He's written three roles for me. I've directed or been in nine of the plays, one left. Um, so August and I got a life, lifelong journey to continue, even though he's moved to a greater realm and I'm still here. So I'm going to range around, but first, congratulations in advance. Thank you. It's huge, man. I think I was there with you when you got a call saying gears were turning or something. Yeah, then, it, then the gears stopped turning. No. Then it stopped. Everything went to a dead stop and I lost Jitney to another producer. Uh, and then I let it go and let it go to the spiritual universe. Uh, I, I was told by another actor friend of mine that I should call on August, that I should actually go to a spirit, spiritual place. And I said, no, 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 I don't necessarily know that. She said, trust me, he's given you a lot of things, right? I said, she said, pull them all out. So I pulled out pens and I pulled out boxes and I pulled out cards and I pulled out harmonicas that he had inscribed to me and I put everything there. And I just said, August, you know, I know you're around because I got all this stuff. I want to do this play. If it's going to happen, make it happen. Then I let it go. And I got a call. A little while later, and not months, not even months, weeks, from Lynn Meadow at MTC Manhattan Theater Club. She said, I want to do this play. And I want you to direct it. And I was like, let me call you back. And I just couldn't believe it. And so here we are. What, what do you see as making his voice particularly distinct? August's voice, August Wilson's voice is distinct in the manner that he writes the way he heard the language. He writes the poetry 
the, the mellifluous nature of African-American men, the way they speak, uh, the art of storytelling the way we do. Uh, when I say we, it's my, my culture because you have to remember for hundreds of years we weren't allowed to speak in public. August took that opportunity that now we are allowed to speak, to really speak, to not be afraid to let his characters flourish in their language, in their poeticism, in their I intellect, uh, you know, and so it's just beautiful, uh, particularly people that know Southern culture, particularly those uh, Southern culture, the people that came north in, in the industrial age, and but they brought all their Southern ways, the way they talk, the way they lean, the way they court, the way they duel. But then he, August also brought in all the things that make great drama. Jealousy, love, deceit, envy, power, uh, disappointment, um, all the things that Chekhov had, Shakespeare had, and Ibsen had, August incorporated those and found and discovered and highlighted those things in African-American life because they're there. They're in human life. And people a lot, of, a lot of times overlook the fact that we're all human, we're all the same, you know, because they look at distorted images of us. And what August wanted was authentic images. Yeah, it's not just about sort of championing the greatest, you know, successful characters, is it? No, August Wilson wrote salt of the earth, hard-working, blue-collar, God-fearing people. You know, whether they believed in God or fought against God, they knew that God was there, something bigger than you and I. And these are just regular hard-working people that want, basically, equality and to be seen as human beings, whole human beings. And that's what August did. He took garbage men and made them kings. He took elevator operators and let them fight against Satan. He, you know, he took uh, blues men from the hill of Pittsburgh and took them to Chicago and made them rock stars. You know, like like Floyd in in in, in Seven Guitars. So what he did was found uh, the royalty in the common man. Why why do you think August Wilson's voice is so important at right now? August Wilson's voice is so important right now uh, in the American theater and Broadway as well because, and this is interesting because he is paving the way for this whole new generation of young African American writers, male and female. He's saying that yes, these plays are successful. Yes, there is an audience that is hungry for this kind of work because other cultures have this work that they go into people's homes and they deal with just the day-to-day -day life of different cultures. Rarely is that seen in African-American culture. August's success breeds more success. So that's, for me, that's the most important thing for August right now. Not that people recognize August, but that the door is open now for the future for African-American writers. You knew August Wilson personally. What was he like as a guy? He was an in incredible storyteller. And those stories can go from 10 minutes to 10 hours, literally. And I have eaten breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the same place with him, listening to him tell his stories because you never get tired of them. Because he plays all the characters. He knows all the detail, and he'll bring something that's absolutely preposterous to say. The one, she's 365 years old. Okay. And then before it's over with, you realize that she is the lineage of all these mothers in the community who raised the communities, who kept the history and knowledge. It's Ann Esther in Gem of the Ocean. But you have to hang on his every word. But he was the kind of guy that anybody could approach, and all of a sudden you found yourself a friend. 
I mean, many times we'd have to go outside and get him. He went out to smoke a cigarette and we'd be in tech. Where's August? He was, went outside and you go out there, he's talking to some homeless guy or talking to somebody, two students that just walked down the street or another writer or another actor. And that was August. He was very generous. He's very strong, very firm about what he believed in, 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 the, in the thing that, that, that a lot of people don't know. August was willing to die for what he believed in. And that's why it's so passionate when you, when you hear it and read it. And you have to bring that same commitment when you do his work. Inside that play, you have to be willing to die because you believe in it that much. And that's how August was. He, he was. he was an incredible man. How did you know he was willing to die? You told me. And I've seen him on the front lines. I've seen him put everything down and just say, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to die. If you're going to step, I'm not going to let you step on me. This is where I draw my line. And if you cross it, I'm willing to die. I've heard him say it. And I've seen him and I've had to say, let's, let's just go eat breakfast. You know, people would, you could disrespect, you know, I think, you know, particularly as an African-American man in this country, it gets to the point sometimes that you had enough. And August had enough. <laughs> you know, so he, he was great. But in, in, the, in the same sentence, I'd have to say he was probably one of the most generous people I've ever met. It's really, there was a guy that used to come to every August Wilson play. And I forgot his name. He had a ponytail. He was a white guy. And, and I, I thought he was a homeless guy. He had a, a, a jitney jacket on all the time. Same old jitney jacket. August used to fly him to every play because he was a, a dishwasher when August was a short order cook. And August would bring him. No, no announcement, no nothing, but he would be there. And one day I just said to August, who is he? Oh, we used to work together when I was a short order cook. He was the dishwasher. <laughs> Nobody knows this. That's crazy. Yeah, and I wonder what's, uh, and I wanted to find out who he was because I wanted to bring him to Jitney, you know, on my dime. And no one knew his name or, you know, I couldn't find him. Maybe this will alert him. If you're watching PBS, please contact me. I want to bring you. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, talk about August Wilson's actual um, method of writing. Because I saw he used to actually sometimes write in restaurants. It wasn't like, you know, I'm going to take a bottle of whiskey up to some cabin somewhere. He was like right in the thick of it, wasn't he? August's writing is interesting because he also wrote a lot at home, which was almost ritualistic because he would wash his hands. He had a punching bag there and he would punch his bag, you know, and he would sit down and prepare this sacred space to sit in the same seat as Aristotle and Beckett and, and Chekhov, as he, as he called it. And uh, that was one way he wrote. In other ways he wrote, was on napkins, on paper bags, on, on uh, loose leaf paper, on little notebooks. And sometimes I would think that he wrote in these easily discardable places so the work wasn't sacred. So it could be, you know, pr not precious. I, I, that's just my own thing. He never said this to me. I just said, why would you write on napkins? And I know uh, I picked up that habit from him. I keep a little book with me and I'm, I'm always jotting down things. Uh, um, and I picked it up from August because then Sometimes I'm opening books and say, oh, this is interesting. I should say this to my cast tonight. It's not precious. How do you try as a director to find his voice in terms of staging his work? It's, you know, as a director, when I direct any play, I, I have a process of tremendous research. I want to come in a, as informed as possible. With August, it, it, it's not much different. The thing that's different is I always continue to to, I, I always have my circles every, every uh, show, every rehearsal too. Every day of you in my room, we gather just to look at each other and thank each other and know why we're here and know how special this moment is, that we are basically poets and artists and we get up in the morning to sing our songs. With August, I always make sure that I bring him into the equation because 
he does a, a funny thing that even though he's not here with us in the flesh, he always appears. He always says I'm around. And it's only one time he'll do it. He's done it every play I've done. Uh, this particular play, he all of a sudden, all the lights on Broadway had a surge the other night. And many of the th lights in the theaters went to work light. Ours went to these two big lights. And then all of a sudden, all the, the automatic lights went away and then they came right back to us. Now that would seem like nothing, but in many theaters, they had no light. But we kept the two big lights on, on and it was Becker and Booster a scene that August wrote between a father and son. When he first wrote it, he told me he wrote it from the perspective of the son. The second time he wrote it, in, in 1996, he rewrote it, began to rewrite it, he wrote it from the perspective of the father, because he was a father then. So that scene, which is the scene that he toiled over the most, from his own words, he toiled over that scene the most, that's when this thing happened. And I said, okay, August. And in the, we're in the middle of John Douglas Thompson crying and, and Brandon Dearden, you know, like gripping and gripping his fists and just spits flying. And all and then all of a sudden he said, pop, right back on. And I said, okay, August, all right, all right. You reminded me that this was the scene, right? And then some people say, ah, that was nothing, that was electricity. Me, I feel it was August making his statement to me, just saying, thanks, so I'm here, man, I'm with you. You know, and so I'd always try to make sure that he's in the equation. And then I remind the cast of things like that. And they all, their eyes get really big. You've been working on Jitney, which was going to open on Broadway. Tell people what it's about and why it means so much to you. Well, probably most of all because it was the only play that he had written that hadn't gone to Broadway. And I wanted August to have a position in American theater that no one else had ever had. And that, mean every, that means every play that he had written had a birth on Broadway. And so I said, why not August? So I set out, not single-handedly, I had a lot of help, people pushing and pulling with me, uh, trying to make that happen. And it was 11 years before I could see uh, the reality of August accomplishing that huge uh, accomplishment of 10 plays, 10 for 10, batting a 1,000, no one bats a 1,000, August has now. And I can kind of rest a little bit, uh, not because of what I've accomplished, but because of what August has accomplished. I, I feel proud to be part of the, that happening. And at the same time that your show's on Broadway, Fences in movie theaters everywhere. There's, there's an August Wilson moment. Yes, Denzel Washington is, is committed to, to doing as many August Wilson plays into films as he possibly can. And with a person that powerful, a person who needs nothing else in life for his career or his finances, to take that stand. He could just retire, go to Tuscany and just, you know, hang out and, and go to the vineyards. But Denzel didn't do that. Denzel Washington said, I am going to take these plays and take them to a wider audience than they had ever seen, a film audience. And uh, lucky for me, he brought me on board. So in the beginnings of this right now, he and I are our partners to a certain degree. The same commitment I had made to bring in Jitney, he, he has made to bring in Fences, and he did it in a stunning, stunning, wonderful way. What do you think of Wilson's female characters? Who, who's the most inspirational to you? I love August Wilson's women because that's where he had his most fear in writing. That's where he had, I don't know if you would call it fear, but trepidation, because he felt not being a woman that he couldn't write women well. But what he did in a way was channel his mother in most of his women or his sisters, the power and impact of these women in his life. So 
what people a lot of times look at is how many lines the women have, which are less than the men, but they always forget that in every play a woman turns the whole play, whether it's Tanya in King Hetley or, or Black Mary in Gemini Ocean, not Ann Esther, or uh, Rena in, 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 uh, in Jitney, and you go on and on. It's the woman, it's roles and fences that is the, is the moral uh, fiber and fabric of who we are as a human, human beings. So it's the women who, for some reason, he gives the most like grounded dignity. We all have integrity in his plays, but this dignity, the most dignified people in his plays are his women. So a lot of people think he fell short with the women, and, I, and I'm the total opposite. I think he's totally celebrated women, and he did great things for them in his plays. Of course, being a man, he wrote more men because he thought that's where his prowess was as a writer, writing men, I'm a man. But you watch his plays and watch what the women do. You know, watch, watch the strength of Vera when she decides she's not going to take Floyd back. Watch the strength of Tanya when she says, I'm not having this baby. Or Black Mary said, you do it your way. You know, or Bertha and Joe Turner. She's the rock in, in that house. You know, everyone does not totally believe in Augustus Wilson's school uh, or religion of his writing. So every writer is not in, is, is, is in his, you know, stable. Uh, I've, I've had debates with young writers and, and I've had other writers just come and say, if it wasn't for August, I wouldn't be a writer. But those writers that, you know, I don't want to start naming too many because I'll miss out too many wonderful writers, but the ones that I have linked myself to that I can hear August's style uh, in, you know, Dominique Morisot, uh, Chiara Hudes, um, Katori Hall, Marcus Gardley, um, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, uh, these writers, I can clearly hear the lineage that passing down from August. You know, I, I heard one writer say, August only wrote three great plays. I said, what you been reading? Where you been reading? You know, so if you really, and August was, was deep because when he wrote Fences, he wrote Fences to prove that he could write a perfect play in his mind. Because the play that people didn't understand at the time, because of his Africanism in it and the spirituality of it was Joe Turner. Joe Turner scared everybody. And so because of Joe Turner's lack of, of being a huge hit, Gem of the Ocean was not accessible. But now, it, both of them are very accessible and people are clamoring, I think, you know, people are pulling me, whispering in my ear, when are you gonna do Jim? When are you gonna do Joe Turner? You know, I don't have the rights to these plays, but who knows what the powers that be. If I could do all of them, I'd be blessed. I would be the happiest person in the world. One of the most interesting debates in American theater, at least in my lifetime, was between August Wilson Robert and Brustein. Robert Brustein. For people who don't know about that, what were they talking about and what was August Wilson's position? August Wilson's position, I think, in the, in the, in the town hall debate with Robert Brustein, and, you know, is, I think he had a lot of positions, but I think what he was fighting for was the vitality and the funding of African-American theaters not just African-American plays. Because all these regional theaters, all these Lord theaters were doing their one black play. And August was saying, well, why is our money being funneled to them to do one minority play when we should be funneling, funneling our money and finances into black theaters that would do a lot of black plays? And so that's what he basically was fighting for the most, it seemed to me. But also he was fighting for his, his dignity and his place in the American theater that would embolden the majority of, of minority writers, of black writers, of Latino writers, and saying, we need our own. If you, if government, if you're gonna fund uh, these regional theaters to do their one black play, fund the black theaters. Why, why is it only five black theaters in the nation? 
and we all, all these playwrights are waiting for them to do one of the white theaters do one of our plays and they pick their playwright whether it's Susan Laurie Parks or August or, or whoever that's it go to these regional theaters still nothing's changed so he wanted he wanted to 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 have our own you know it was our money he felt we taxpayers so why don't we have our own and that's what he was fighting for he wasn't trying to exclude anyone I don't think he was trying to make sure that we had our space and I think Robert Brustein who's who was very harsh, uh, you know, and he met August on his ground, and he said some, whether he realized or not, some very racist things um, that I did not agree with, and he's been very respectful of me. He's, he's extended the olive branch out to me. Um, I'm getting older now, maybe I'll, I'll grab it, but uh, I don't like to get insulted, and I don't like my mentors to be insulted, and I don't take it easy. And he pretty much insulted, just read that speech. He said some things that are, I'm like, you have no sense of reality. You have no sense of reality. You know, somebody said to me once, Rube, you know, you do classical theater, you do Shakespeare in the Park, you know, it's, it's everything's equal. You know, you can get these roles. I'm the exception to the rule. It's the reason I get these opportunities. I'm a Tony Award winner. Not only that, I've done 24 television pilots. I've done 36 films. I bring audiences in, whatever, whatever limitations it, it is, they do come to see me because I try to make my name synonymous with quality as well. So... I'm not your common cat. I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm an actor, and producer. So I'm a different kind of artist. You know, I can't wait for one thing to happen for me. I have to happen to everything, or else I will be wait looking at my phone. And I don't want to look at my phone. I got four kids, and plus I got all this passion, and I want to share it. And so the playing field is not level. The playing field is not level, and we got a long way to go, you know, but it's good news too. General audiences, people are hungry to learn more about each other, particularly in this political climate. There's a big div division going on and there's also a big let's come together. And the let's come together, we pray, is bigger than the division. I'm very fond of the Dr. Maya Angelou quote, which is um, that people learn to see that human beings are more alike than they are unalike. We are. We are, you know, and I just look at, at my kids who are, you know, my younger ones are you are Swedish, Irish, Puerto Rican, black, you know, they're the world. That's what the world is. You know, we all have to honor our cultures, but what the world is becoming is now is we're crossing those lines and saying, hey, I'm not afraid of you. Hey, I'm not in awe of you, but hey, I want to get to know you. And I think those things are what's going to make this all a better world. So what's going on in America right now that's trying to be very div divisive, that ain't going to work. Art should reflect the times. Art should be a catalyst for change of negativism and also be, should be a catalyst for like, uh, like, uh, like an enlightenment, enrich, enrichment in your life because you all of a sudden know more. Know more about human beings know more about the people that you don't get up in the morning and see in your kitchen and have breakfast. The person who you pass in the street. Art brings you in that person's realm. And all of a sudden you get to see, and that's why when I direct Jitney, you know, what happens up there happens to the people up there. I don't, I don't have my actors presented to you. I have you come in and witness and experience what happens. And, and I'll call, you know, in rehearsal, I'll call my actors in a minute. I'll say, you know better than that. They'll turn out and start doing the monologue. You know better than that. Communicate. If you communicate, all those wonderful things about us being human beings reveal themselves.
reveal. That, wow, he wants the same thing. He's in love. Everybody gets in love. Oh, he's hurt. Everybody gets hurt. But if you start looking at us as exhibit A, you never realize the commonality of human beings. And I think it's, it's, theater does that better than any, any place. Wow. Well, thank you. This was a great pleasure. I'm so glad you found time. I don't know where you're, well, I love PBS. Where you're making you the know, time. I love PBS. I love what you guys do. It's the channel I watch. The only com competition you guys have is ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> my wife knows just what I'm watching. My TV is set exactly when I come in and can watch it. It's sports and, and public television. Ruben Santiago Hudson appears in American Masters' August Wilson, The Ground on Which I Stand, which will be broadcast tonight, January 20th, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. It'll also stream on our website at pbs.org slash americanmasters, where you can also learn about our new social campaign to celebrate the powerful, creative, and innovative women in our lives, including Dr. Maya Angelou who's featured in our American Masters broadcast in February. Until then, thanks for listening to the American Masters podcast.